Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good morning and welcome to Collider Dailies. I'm John Algets and joining me today is... Maggie Lovett. <laughs> so before we dive into our first topic here, Maggie, I gotta ask, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I am, you know, surprised that it is already Wednesday and um, sorely underprepared for New York Comic Con next week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to I have to do a bunch of prep for that, too. So I'm I'm right there with you. But I'm also just tired because, you know, I'm I'm just I'm so tired of streamers and all of their their price raise their price hikes that are constantly coming through, which segues us into our first topic. Uh, Netflix is reportedly planning to raise their prices after the end of the SAG after a strike. Uh, this is according to the wall street journal, which reported this yesterday. Uh, I don't think anyone is happy about this possibility. Uh, it seems that they're going to be targeting their lowest, uh, their lowest ad-free plan, which to me just seems like Netflix is trying to drive people to their ad-supported plan because they reportedly are – they make more money off of ads than they do off of their actual subscription. So they're going to be driving people to that. Maggie, what do you, what is, what's your take on this? I feel like you probably have some thoughts. I definitely have thoughts. I think it feels slightly retaliatory. Um towards both of the strikes it feels like they're trying to like make a point like oh you see these people were working and now we have to raise your uh prices to stream because of these people when in reality there's other ways for them to uh even out the costs um for the very good deal that the writers found and as well as whatever sag will uh, hopefully achieve but i think it's interesting a few months ago you know they reported that after they shut off the password sharing function uh they had a really good increase in subscribers but their stocks fell uh, so it seems like they're they're not really sure what they're doing and they're just kind of playing it by ear and hoping that something will stick and make them more money. But I think as long as they keep canceling people's show after the first season, uh, they're going to struggle to get people to pay more for that privilege. 
I kind of wonder how how Netflix expects to be like <laughs> public perception is not great when it's it not. comes to a lot of the big streamers. And it seems like Netflix is kind of suffering a lot of the worst of that. They aren't exactly handling things well. They haven't, uh, you know, obviously they're one of the struck studios. So right there, there's not great perception. And just having something like this come in so obviously in response to the end of the strike just seems it's a very bad look. It is. And it's interesting, too, because Netflix is, uh, you know, the, the architect behind streaming as it is today. But it seems like they have started lagging behind everyone else. You know, you have Apple TV with these like gorgeous, high profile sci fi series. Uh, that are just really rolling in lots of like interest. You have Prime with all of their various different, you know, series and fantasy shows and and dramas and Hulu and, you know, just kind of go down the line with all the other ones. And they're not following this lead yet. You know, maybe tomorrow we'll get a news that everybody else is going to try to hike their prices up as well. But Netflix just seems to be struggling and as, as a whole with what they are as a streaming. At what point do we... Do we as consumers realize that we're basically just falling into the same problem that we fell in with cable packages mm -hmm. where we're just paying through the nose for all this content and all of the benefits of the streaming platforms that they kind of the whole idea behind the business model when it was first introduced is gone. Mm -hmm. Like at what point do we just. I mean, it's not really like there's any sort of real option otherwise, but it's kind of just, it's strange. It's going to be a little ridiculous. It's very strange. And I, I would love to see Netflix, if they're really struggling to retain, you know, their viewers or whatever they're needing um, that's causing them to want to raise prices, you know, instead of increasing prices, maybe they should try different rollouts weekly. That might encourage people to keep a subscription for a longer amount of time because they're engaged in something and then it builds up the hype, it helps with the marketing, uh, it gives shows like actual strong numbers because people don't have to binge it in you know a 48 hour window for it to maybe get renewed for a season two. And so there's a lot of ways to like rebuild that trust with its audience uh, that isn't, hey, give us more money, we're still gonna cancel your shows. And Netflix is like extra bad about mm -hmm. canceling things. Like, it seems like more than any of the other big streamers, they they tend to just drop stuff for no reason. And a lot of it is usually chalked up to the fact that they put very little into actual marketing. They assume that like word of mouth is enough to make a show, you know, like worth their money, but then they turn around and they tell people, oh, you need to watch the entire series in one sitting or like one 48 hour window. And if word of mouth is what's helping a show get out there and be marketed, then they're not going to be able to do that first thing. So maybe very strange. Maybe that is why Disney Plus seems to have a more positive reputation mm -hmm. among streaming platforms is because when they release, you know, a show like Mandalorian or Ahsoka, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, it is on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. um, I know that myself as a as a consumer, and maybe it's just because I don't have a lot of time uh, during the week, having that weekly rollout is kind of nice because, as you said, I don't have to worry about binging an entire series all at mm -hmm. once and still be able to be a relevant part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know. 
Yeah, I just, and I mean, I, Disney Plus is even trying to be event television again, kind of following the leads of, hey, let's release something in the evening where people can watch it if they want to, can watch it tomorrow and still kind of be part of that conversation, which seems like they're listening to consumers, uh, you know, which, you know, tiny clap for that. Um, so as they as they raise their prices starting, yeah. I believe, next month or maybe it's later this month. I can't exactly remember. <sighs> Um, but anyways, moving on to more like positive discussion, let's talk about the new image that was released for Joker two by, uh, director Todd Phillips. He put out a, a post on Instagram yesterday. that was just a image from Joker two and we aren't showing it. Uh, sorry, just go look at his Instagram to actually see it or go over to Collider. We have it on the site. Uh, it's just an image of Joaquin Phoenix standing in the rain. And uh, it, it's very, very evocative of uh, of some some previous films, as you pointed out in our little pre-discussion there, Maggie. Yes, it definitely made all of us think of singing in the rain. Uh, and it's such a fun little allusion to the fact that this Joker sequel is going to be a musical, which is, you know, it's a novelty. It's a... a kind of a stark departure from the first movie, but everything that I've seen so far um, actually has me interested in Joker 2 as somebody who loves musicals. Now, how much are you, how much do you want to bet that they're going to play the musical element of this film off as part of his psychosis? I have a pretty like strong feeling that's going to be what we end up seeing. And it would be interesting if we had something like wherever he is, you know, dealing with his psychosis if he's watching musicals and then like fantasizing about how his life could be like them and you know it might be something very reminiscent to you know wanda maximoff you know leaning on you know american sitcoms and and television series to like make her life better uh and kind of seeing something similar to that used i think it's a fun uh, storytelling device and i feel like a lot of audiences resonate with seeing films that they already relate to and they already love being used as a basis for new storytelling and you know you mentioned the allusion to singing in the rain that you kind of see in that image the the first joker had a lot of like sort of subtle i don't want to say references but homages to a lot of like classic like 70s crime films and things mm -hmm. of that nature a lot of scorsese stuff if if they're going to do something similar with joker 2 what classic musicals would you like to see them pay homage to throughout the film oh gosh so this one isn't technically i don't know if it's i guess it's a classic now but i feel like moulin rouge could really fit the vibes of lady gaga specifically oh yeah and that harley joker dynamic could be really fun uh to see it kind of like played with in a, a positive light because it's not a positive relationship but playing with that kind of high especially since it's set in France and the title and it all kind of fits together but that's like one of my favorites but there's so many good ones I mean how funny would it be to have something like Music Man related which you wouldn't <laughs> ever remotely picture uh connected to the Joker but there's there's just so many do you have a particularly favorite musical I know you've done some theater in your background uh so my favorite my favorite musical of all time is one that I cannot imagine that they will ever <laughs> reference in Joker 2 and that is Paint Your Wagon oh my gosh um, I, I love Paint Your Wagon. Uh, unironically, I enjoy that movie. Also, uh, like, of course, everyone loves Sound of Music. And yeah. if they're going to reference 
previous musicals, I feel like there has to be at least a little bit of something there. Maybe Joaquin Phoenix will be running through a field of flowers as he as he sings there about something. I don't know. You know maybe uh, Les Mis, fans of the opera, Wizard of Oz. You know, there's some there's some stuff to play with there. There's a there's a lot of stuff that could be done there. Um, I will say that I'm a little bit. I feel like I'm a little bit more excited for the Joker sequel, mm-hmm. uh, whose title I'm not even going to attempt <laughs> to pronounce. Uh. I feel like I'm more excited for the Joker sequel than I was for the original Joker. Uh, I that movie, I went into it opening weekend. I watched it. I enjoyed it. But as I was walking out, I was like, that was a great film that I'm never going to choose to watch again. Um, It's just so emotionally draining. Yeah. And I feel like this this one will probably be the same way. Very much, yeah. yeah. Saw it once. I was good. Don't know if I'll watch it again before I see this one because this one feels like such a like a different film yeah. that I don't know if you need it. I, I I would be surprised if there's like like things that you need to rewatch Joker one to get for Joker two. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, you know what happened in Joker one, you're gonna be fine going into Joker two. Um, but you know, we'll see, I guess we'll see when the movie comes out. Um, it is, uh, scheduled to be released, uh, actually exactly a year from now, mm-hmm. uh, October 4th, 2024. We'll see it, uh, if that comes to be, you know, how Hollywood is, they're constantly moving things around the schedule. It would make sense for them to release it, uh, exactly a year. Cause I believe that this is also the anniversary it of is, the first yes. film's release. I believe yesterday yeah. was the anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, so it would make sense for them to be releasing it around this time. But, uh, yeah. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Uh, okay, so moving into our, I don't really have a segue for this, so we're just going to move into our last, <laughs> into our last topic for today, which is uh, talking about Ahsoka season one finale. Uh, before we get any, uh, any spoilers, I'm I'm going to try to not spoil anything, but before we get into even the territory of talking about the finale, uh, Maggie, you want to give your like, just general thoughts on season one? Uh, so it had a lot of moments that I enjoyed. I think the cast is phenomenal. I really love Natasha. Um, I really like what we saw from Mary Elizabeth. Um, you know, I think Rosario does a good job with what she is given to work with. Um, I ultimately had a lot of issues with the scripts, uh, the dialogue, which often felt very stilted and not very Star Warsy sometimes because we do get like really good emotion from some of the more recent series, some of the more recent movies even. And I felt like that was really lacking in Ahsoka. And, you know, to Dave's credit, uh, to some extent, you know, I love what he has done in short form animation stories when he has like a, a room full of people and a lot of other voices involved in helping to kind of cultivate ideas and, and elevate them to like their greatest potential. And I, I often found that that wasn't the case here where he was very much kind of the only man in the chair coming up with these stories. And I felt like a lot of the scripts felt like the first draft that was then put directly on screen and the stuff that helped to elevate it was seeing the different directors and how they approached, um, you know, Star Wars and the the way that they kind of viewed the universe. 
um, help to improve some of those episodes. But I'm hopeful that maybe um, a future season two um, will have more voices involved. You know, it can never hurt to have more ideas in a room. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like where I was. I, I don't regret watching it. Um, I just wish that I watched like the second draft version of it. Yeah, I, I, I get a lot of your points there. Um, I, I definitely, I liked the season. I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, but for me, I don't know how much of my enjoyment came from the story that was actually being told mm -hmm. versus being a fan of Clone Wars and Rebels and getting and having that excitement of seeing it all in live action. Mm -hmm. um, but when whenever I watch a Disney Plus like series, be it Star Wars or Marvel or whatever, at the end of it, I always ask myself, did this need to be a show or could this have just been like an original movie? Mm -hmm. Two hours, we're done, we're out. Uh, something like Andor, I feel like that fit a TV series really well. I agree. Uh, Obi-Wan should have just been a two and a half hour movie and call that square. Didn't need to be a television series. I'm a little torn though on Ahsoka because I feel like it could work. It could have worked as a film, mm -hmm. but there was enough, there was enough background lore. There was enough character development that it existing as a television series wasn't, uh, wasn't a negative. Yeah. Uh, instead with Ahsoka, I find myself asking, is there a reason why this is a live action series and not just another season of Rebels? That's kind of where I was. And I sometimes wondered if we would have gotten better emotions. Um, you know, I felt like the, the Sabine and um, Ezra reunion, the Ezra and Ahsoka reunion, the Ezra and the character that he re reunited with last night's episode, not to spoil, um, felt less than it should have been and less impactful, which was very strange for a series that was so shaped around, we're bringing back the Rebels crew. And then we didn't have that attachment because these are new faces attached to these characters. There's some weird baggage involved with why the people that we loved from the voice cast aren't involved in this. And it just like didn't work for me that I wanted it to. And I, I often wonder like, maybe for the people it does work for it's because they're able to add more of like their self into those reunions and like like it it settles with whatever they were expecting so it's, it's very interesting to see the reactions from people who either loved rebels didn't love rebels you know had this great emotional stake in these and like kind of where they've fallen in their opinions yeah and and especially with the way that the the finale kind of panned out we're gonna mm -hmm. get a little bit just a little bit, just a smidge more spoilery here. So if you haven't seen the episode, uh, this is where you get off. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so it did end with a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. um, it ended so, like, honestly, I didn't expect it to end quite in the way that it did. No. It ended with, you know, Sabine and Ahsoka are stranded out in the wildness of space. Ezra has managed to return back to civilized space, but he's, you know, on his own. Effectively, he did meet up with Hera and all that. And Thrawn got away. Uh, and Ahsoka seems OK with that. Yeah, she just seems chill. Like She's, she's just like, like oh, cool. yep, <laughs> we're stranded here. This is where we're supposed to be. I'm like, girl, what? <laughs> the one I it, like <laughs> the one thing about the ending and especially the because in the. 
in the final shot, we did see uh, Hayden Christensen again, mm-hmm. um, kind of as a like he's watching over Ahsoka thing. We know that season two is in is reportedly in development mm-hmm. right now. That is that is what was uh, the the news that broke kind of yesterday about that. Um, I will say one of my sort of something that I enjoyed about season one, but at the same time also um, I'm, I, I kind of hope that season two avoids this is the reliance on Anakin. Yeah. It was very strange. It it felt very nostalgia gimmicky. Yeah. In a weird way. And I, I hate to say that because I am ride or die for Anakin Skywalker and Hayden. Christensen, oh, yeah. But I was like, one appearance was fine. I didn't need the Return of the Jedi 2004 special edition vibes from the ending of this. I just, I, to me, because like, here's the thing. I, with season one, having Ahsoka showing us, you know, her dealing with, you know, sort of the, the unfinished business with Anakin Skywalker that she has, like, cool. I hope that going into season two, that's not, as much of a constant mm-hmm. uh, because I, like, I feel like Ahsoka needs to be able to stand on her own as her own character and her having this Anakin Skywalker shaped baggage is going to kind of stop her from being fully realized. Especially if that makes any sense. Was able to stand on her own as a character, even when Anakin was right there. Yeah, like that, that I agree completely on that. It was very strange. And I I think my wish for season two is that we don't rely upon the mystery box uh, ambiguity. Uh, I think, you know, we we've seen enough of this season to see where it has now possibly potentially derailed plans for season two. Um, because, you know, unfortunately and tragically, Ray Stevenson passed away before the series premiered. And now we're never going to see really where that character was going or what those motivations were. You know, obviously, they're probably going to recast. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of moments that we missed getting to see because they kept everything so close to the chest. Um, you know, it's it's cool with the, the Mortis God, you know, carved figures and all of that is really cool. But you don't understand the motivations of why he got there and now we're left with maybe three years until we see season two or get any sort of like finality of why and that's really frustrating and it kind of falls into like the the trope that a lot of mcu movies and tv shows have also suffered from which is the let's keep everything as ambiguous as possible so we see how fans react and decide how to pivot and i think that's a really frustrating style of storytelling because it you should be able to entertain the people who are watching right now, not the people who are going to like yell on Reddit. Um, so it's, I'm hopeful. I want to believe it'll be better with season two. So fingers crossed. Well, that answer that answers my closing question, which was going to be, are you going to watch season two? Are you at all excited for where the story could go? Um, I'm excited to see things for Sabine and Ezra specifically, um, not really anybody else. Um, I would like to see Shin's, you know, story actually have something beyond just staring meanly. 
and like I think that the actress is really talented um but I mean I like Star Wars so I'm, I'm gonna watch it <laughs> she does I, I will say that actress does staring meanly she's so good super well I want to know if she had to do like an audition with an actual monologue or if she just like glared at the camera and made you feel <laughs> tiny she I feel like that's like yeah I mean there's something for cameos you can sign up for cameo and just like glare at you Oh, she would make so much money doing so much that. Money. That would be so. I'd, I'd get one. Just send it to my brother. It'd be yeah. brilliant. I mean, look at all the things that uh, Baldur's Gate three uh, voice actors are making on cameo. I was waiting. I was waiting for it. I'm surprised it took us that long to get a mention of Baldur's Gate three into the episode. But anyways, <laughs> that is where that is where we are going to leave things today. Uh, I just want to know what you all think. What did you think of Ahsoka season one? How did you feel about the way that it wrapped up? And are you excited for a season two in like 50 years when we all finally get it? (laughs) (laughs) Be sure to let us know. Uh, And uh, yeah, with that, I hope you guys all have a wonderful day. Be sure to tune in tomorrow uh, for even more Collider Dailies. And uh, yeah, have a good rest of your day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.